it makes me wonder if I'm ever really going to be able to go back to the cardboard box in the middle of the sky in Sydney. In a place out here, I can finally breathe and I might just suffocate if I go back there. Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness. But what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who have moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beck Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. When paediatrician Bonnie finally put her pen down after hours of hardcore medical exams, she looked around her tiny Sydney apartment and thought, what next? Jumping way out of her comfort zone, Bonnie sought an opportunity for a rural placement in Alice Springs, a community that had been referred by a good friend for its magical qualities. With a healthy appetite for adventure, Bonnie packed up her cardboard box in inner-city Sydney and headed for the expansive plains of outdoor Alice. Although the logistical terror and fear associated with moving initially made Bonnie a little apprehensive, the friendly nature of locals and the welcoming, supportive nature of her close-knit team helped her seamlessly ease into her new environment. Finding her feet in the job and exploring the natural wonders in the Northern Territory were not the only discoveries she made. The move presented Bonnie an opportunity to get to know herself again and fully reinvigorate her life. The scenery, serenity, peace and fresh air, coupled with a fulfilling social life, has made it easy for Bonnie to say goodbye to the cardboard box in the sky in favour of Alice Springs and all the joy it brings. Bonnie Carroll, you moved where? I moved to Alice Springs from Sydney. You grew up in Perth, but a lot of your formative adult years took place in Sydney, living in Redfern and Bondi, two very famous city places. What did your weekends look like during that time? Yeah, pretty different to how they do now. Also, I think I had a little bit more youth on my side then, but I I moved to Sydney initially just because I wanted um, something big like excitement and that kind of big city life which you do and don't get in a place like Perth um, so most of my weekends admittedly if I wasn't uh, working even in our night shift would be a lot of going out hanging out with my friends at bars grabbing a wine was just always the default thing that everybody did and then maybe mix in with some kind of event or show that either I did or didn't know about or was being dragged to or something like that. And then a little bit later, one of the things that I did, you know, always love about Sydney as well, and I think it's probably exemplified when I've come out to a place like Alice Springs, is that I have always loved the outdoors and things like that. So moving to Bondi was a little bit of a shift for that, trying to get a little bit more sea air and out of kind of the big inner city life of Redfern. Admittedly, it uh Probably not that much different down on the East Coast either. Now in Alice Springs, I I don't think I've ever just asked somebody out for a wine. Um, and so it's like this default thing that I did for like six years. It's just, yeah, this complete backflip. 
It's so interesting that you say that because I'm from Perth and I moved to Surrey Hills initially and then went to Bondi as well for the very same reason of being closer to nature, which is quite a funny thing because I think the Bondi Beach doesn't necessarily offer you the, yeah. the natural wonders <laughs> of the world like you might enjoy when you are in Alice Springs. And so you are a, you are a paediatric doctor working at the Children's Hospital and then why did you find yourself packing up and moving to the Red Centre? few little things pushing me in that direction. So I'm training to be a paediatrician and as part of that training you've got to go and sort of get a lot of experience in different places and part of the requirements is that you have to do a six-month rural placement. Usually, you know, I was attached to Sydney Children's Hospital and they helped tee that up for you. They've got a lot of wonderful peripheral rural hospitals that they would assign you to to go for six months places like Port Matt or Wagga Wagga and things. But I had a friend who had recently come back from Alice Springs who just said it was one of the most amazing experiences of her life and it just seemed like a massive adventure. And I think at that stage I wasn't being forced to go on rural placement yet, like it was something that I knew I had to do in the next couple of years, but I had just finished these massive exams and they took up my entire life in a way that I, you know, no one could ever pay me enough money to do them again. It just, you know, it is kind of like life-changing and identity-changing because you forget everything that you're interested in, anything that you like, and then they finish and you've got, you know, your life back. And I just found myself doing a lot of sitting in my Alexandria then apartment just being like, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't feel like I even know this city anymore. I feel stuck. So I heard a job had come up here, another friend had to pull out, and I emailed the paediatric boss in Alice Springs and said, how about it? And it came down to you about five months later. Yeah, so I came over in August 2022 and I had to do six months, which would have taken me to February 2023. And at this stage, I've signed on just the other week to do another six months to make it 18 months now in Alice Springs. That's awesome. And such a like amazing picture to think of you in sort of that cardboard box situation in inner city Sydney and having endured so many hours of sitting at a desk, pushing paper and studying for your exam and what you just painted as the aspiration of going out somewhere as extraordinary as Alice Springs. So you obviously had that desire to kind of change that world that you were in. What was it like though when you decided to move? How did you go through the actual practical process of that? Because obviously you're uplifting everything like creature comforts, all of those things. What process did you take to adjust and transition? Yeah, it's a bit, it was scarier than I thought. Like I, you know, I sent this email, I was really excited. I set up the job and when I realized that it was really going to happen, um, that small amount of just like logistical terror um, set in. In my head, it's like, oh, it's fine. You know, I don't have kids in school or newborns or anything like that. It's, you know, it's just me. I'll make my way out there. And I think that every time you kind of make a big step towards leaving, you kind of felt that that dig of separation and that small little fear as well. And I admittedly, I kind of have my had my foot half in, half out the pool. I think I knew deep down that I was probably going to be 
wanting to go for more than six months. But I, you know, I subletted my apartment to a friend of a friend so that if everything went to hell, it's fine. I can go back to, you know, my cardboard box in, in Alexandria. You know, in, I'm lucky enough really that in terms of money, um, which could be huge when you're trying to relocate your life, is that the hospital in Alice Springs is pretty supportive of that. So they they got me my flights out here. Then they paid for me to move my car and move my things and things like that. So that was a huge help when you're looking at a pretty big um, financial challenge. And I think you just these big things are actually when you want to do it, they're small and they're movable. A great conversation because I think logistical terror, as you called it, is very much a part of the experience when you're moving, um, especially when you're going from such a different experience as you did. And I think that fear is something that can sometimes turn people off because it is quite confronting and you do have to work through each of these things. Did you have that sense of fear when it came to the adjustment with people, like finding friends and um, connection with peers? If so, what was that like for you? I think it's scary, particularly being, you know, when I moved, I was 33 and my three best friends in the world who I had known since I was 16, so I'd lived with me in Sydney, we'd come over from WA, we'd done it all together. These were people that I was like, okay, so, you know, I've known you for 17 years. You know, I am sure that maybe I'll find people to hang out with you know, when I go to Alice Springs, but I think it is. It's always that little scarier bit you go oh, am I going to find friends and I'm going to am I going to find people that I actually connect with and that's scary and it's lonely and it was it was a bit lonely at the first and that's just that's part of it um it was also really big because I like the last time I properly introduced myself to anyone you know clean slate didn't have mutual friends there wasn't going from one thing to the other and you know it's when you're 17 you're going in uni and then you rock up to a place and you know I didn't come with other friends or a partner and so you know like I could have been anyone it was a big and it was it's kind of like a readjustment I'm like who am I people are like so what are you up to what are your interests and you're like oh my god yeah who am I so it was like a lot of getting to know myself again as well which was uh, exciting but a lot is there something thrilling in that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say because it's sort of like you get to redefine some of the things that people might, you know, perceive you as. I mean, absolutely. And I think you're kind of kidding yourself if you think that you can be anyone but yourself when you move somebody somewhere new. But I think an interesting thing is that you do, you see yourself differently through the eyes of other people that are just meeting you for the first time because, you know, I've known myself for 33 years. Yeah, I do just get to be... Uh, the me I am today and I think that that is something that's something really nice and kind of really refreshing Um, and I think it might be something quite um, like stereotypical of the NT as well it was one of one of my friend's fathers or something we're at a birthday party and I was like oh yeah I'm moving to Alice Springs Northern Territory and he goes oh yeah cool what are you running away from I was like (laughs) and I think there is a bit of that as well you get to kind of like restart rejig your life It's also interesting when you consider, like you said, at this age, we're not used to necessarily um, being in an environment where we're making new adult friends. You know, that's sort of something that you do associate with uni or 
the times that you've been put into new environments and, and you've had to find tools or like draw on ways to connect with people and and find how you, you know, the shared similarities and the things that make you kind of drawn to particular people or whatever. So what have been some of the things that you've done to build that network of friends, peers and people that you've got rapport with? You know, a lot of it is time and a bit of luck, but also just really the nature of this town and how easy that transition was. So I thought that I, I've been living alone in Sydney for about two years. Um, so hadn't lived with friends for a while, but I thought if I'm going to go to a new place, I kind of want to jump back in and find that sense of community. So I got on like the local Facebook groups and went to find a house, which is, it is a bit tough in Alice Springs. Just the nature of it is, you know, getting a room in a house is something that is a little bit stressful for people. And so you're kind of like trawling through and everything that comes up, you know, everybody's sending 50 messages and there was this, this one, this one guy who doesn't use Facebook clearly and he's just got that grayed out head um, for his profile picture and he's just plopped on this message, be like, oh, yeah, room for rent in Eastside, uh, here's some photos, let me know. And these photos are like dark and patchy and I, I set up the interview with this boy, Stefan, and I turn on like the Facebook camera and it's just these two 20-something dudes sitting on the couch that's in the other room. They have little beanies on it's the middle of winter and they're both like eating soup. And he was like, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> this is the house. He walks me through and he's got the camera pointed literally to the ceiling like 90% of the time. And I just thought, yeah, sure, I'll move in. This sounds, let's just like, let's just go for it. And it was, there were just two like darling little charming um, boys, Sam and Stefan, who were, they've left Alice now, but they were my first housemates here. They were so like overly complimentary about the place. Like my friend who had just left um, had been as well about the community spirit here and how there's always so much on and so much one that at Alice Springs and yeah, you absolutely got to come and you've absolutely got to come and live with us. And, and when I got here, it was, it was just almost like family from the beginning. There's just kind of like that pre-internet kind of communal warmth and vibrancy. Like I literally made friends because I went to a cafe with somebody. You walk in with one person and then they see four friends and you sit down with them and they go, yeah, I'm going out this weekend. Oh, we should go together. You know, you're making a lot of easy connections through that and it was still hard and I think still finding your people is tough. But there was, yeah, just a really beautiful warmth to it. So a Big part of it was getting out of that Sydney mentality of being like, oh, you're not my friend. I don't know you. Why would I go to that show with you? It was just being open, making those choices and and going to a lot of stuff that maybe I wouldn't always necessarily go to to kind of be that yes person. It was easier. It was easier than I thought. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful, open-hearted, adventurous people here who are just like you looking for new experiences. I totally understand what you mean about that sense of invitation from other people that you don't get sometimes when even there's more people around. Mm. And what are some of the things about working in a small community that are unique to healthcare, so outside of your social life within your profession? I have run into that very kind of cliche rural town doctor um, scenario quite a few times now. So, you know, obviously you and you work at the only hospital 
in town and it's a pretty small place, you're going to have all those moments where you're running into people in and out of that workplace. And I had just one of those total cliche ones. I was working on the weekend and a child was in and I looked at his mother and I gosh, she's familiar, I can't quite place her. And then five minutes later she came up to me and she was like, Bonnie, yeah, I'm your hairdresser. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, of course. And she goes, I mean, yeah, I've just, you know, I've just moved salons. I'm like, I'm desperately in need of a haircut. And she was like, right, fine, I'll book you in there. Saw her like four days later, walked into the salon. My friend was there and I knew over the course of like the three hours that I was there getting my hair dyed, it was like I saw three of my patients or patients' families like coming in and out of the place and it is that kind of just funny hometown charm of that or you just get you know you get recognized when you don't quite recognize them as well or a lot of them are like oh yeah you're the children's doctor and you just go oh gosh I hope I was nice to your kid but you know a lot of it is just you know really beautiful and warm and charming and we've got like a really close-knit team at the hospital as well it's kind of there's about 10 junior doctors and five consultants and, you know, admittedly it's less than we'd like. You know, that hospital is always just a tiny little bit understaffed and there's not a lot of slack in the line when somebody is sick. Somebody else really has to step up and and take their place and do that work for them and it's bred, I don't know what kind of magic they've done down there, but it's just bred this most supportive and wonderful workplace where you, you feel like equals and you feel like team members and that you will go in there and do your bit for them because at some point they're going to have to pick up the slack for you as well. And so there's this you know, beautiful familiarity which you don't kind of get when you're in one of those really, really big hospitals and that you all get to know the patients really, really well. Children with chronic illnesses who do come in and out, it's, um, yeah, you know them all. It's kind of, it's funny when, when we first moved there and you're trying to present a patient and just four of the bosses are in front of you and you're like oh I say I've got Michael and they're like oh yeah Michael birthday last week and you're just like this is wild but it's all like really beautiful and personalized and then you see it I see it in patients as well we service you know Alice Springs services a huge part of Central Australia so there's lots of rural and remote communities as well and when children are sick they're flown in uh, by kind of like an emergency plane or you know, ambulance if it's not too far, but a lot of these places are like well over kind of four-hour drives and things like that. And so even a lot of the patients on the ward all know each other in different parts, like community in Alice Springs or like Central Australia, and so they're always like, oh, my little cousin's down in 38, I'm just going to be like, is a whole thing, it's just like a family affair. <laughs> It's so nice where I think like that continuity of care, like from the patient perspective and as someone who grew up in the regions is is really nice. Like, you know, having that sense of familiarity with someone who knows your um, health and ailments and things like that are as on hand when things go awry, like you break your arm or it just feels nice to have that sense of familiarity when you're feeling unwell or you're going through something that's overwhelming and in relation to your health. But the conversation about rural health isn't necessarily always really positive because, um, you know, sometimes people in shortage, as as you discussed, there can be a shortage of um, good staff and access. What's your perspective given your involvement in the regional health? Yeah, look, I think that the unfortunate reality is that that is 100% true and there are 
compensations that you largely unknowingly make uh, when you live rurally and regionally. Because even if we were fully staffed, there are certain specialties and you know niche things that are really only serviced by large tertiary centres who have you know the equipment and support and specialty training or somebody who you know knows that area. I mean, you can't have a paediatric oncologist living in Alice Springs. There's simply no work for them. It's sort of twofold. You need a lot of it. You know, on my level is the attitude of working with what you have and making the most of that. One of the things to remember is that all of us who are working out in Alice Springs, we're trained in those tertiary centres. You know, we're usually, we haven't gone to med school in, you know, rural Australia or in one tiny town. You'd usually, even those kind of regional med schools, it's like you gain an enormous amount of experience by travelling around a lot. It's, It's like it's written in our contract in our Uh, qualifications and so you try to become the most you know skilled generalist that you can and focus on that kind of bread and butter things and a lot of medicine still is that bread and butter I mean when you're talking about life-saving therapy we are literally using the alphabet in kind of like our doctor ABC resus kind of coordination and so I think you know from my personal point of view you think I'm trained well, we know what we're doing, we're out here, we're with a good, solid team and you go in and you do your best. But the thing that you can't eliminate is not only the sort of specialties that you can't get out in rural Australia, is that it's time. And if you live really, really remotely and for a lot of the patients that we see, you know, from Aboriginal communities that are truly, truly remote, then the time to get in and then the time to get to be stabilised in Alice Springs and to get to a tertiary centre as you need is is something that you can't take away. And that's just the reality. And even, I suppose, it's the reality is like once you've moved out here and your own health and your children's health and things like that, that you consider. Overall, I think the, the thing that also that I can't change is the system, is that we'd love more doctors and we'd love more money to improve you know, the services and outcomes of places in rural regional centres and that's something that for a large part is out of my control as well. Yeah, but even having a conversation like this is important because, you know, the things that attract you to an environment outside of, um, you know, like a a busy city centre is that you can experience things that really make you enjoy a holistic approach to your life outside of um, just work. What are some of the things that, despite not being in the city, that you've been able to enjoy or new opportunities and things that you wouldn't have expected that have really made you continue to want to stay where you are in Alice Springs? Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about Alice Springs that I just didn't even know about when I got here is like there's an enormous kind of arts and music scene. Um, I think, you know, we often... Yeah, you know, we sit down and we actually try and discuss it and hash it out. And we're like, why? Why is Alice so magic? What has it got here that is, you know, surely not every rural original town is as amazing as this. I think it's got this, it's this weird little cross section in that it is so far from any other major city. Like we have 15 hours drive from Darwin, 15 hours drive from Adelaide. And so it can't rely on those big centres for you know, a lot of things. It kind of has to have 
has to create and build it itself. And it's also, it is literally the big smoke. It's a big city for all these community towns that rely on Alice Springs and things like that. We've got friends that are working out in you know, Aboriginal art centres in community and they, when they come into Alice, they're like, oh, wow, well, I'm overwhelmed. It's a big city. I've got to get back out to community and things like that. And so it has this huge little vibrant hub where people come, they're excited, they're motivated, they're young and they've got a lot of interest and they foster them here. And so like for the music scene in Alice Springs, there's like two open mic nights every week. There are gigs on all the time and ranging from, you know, sort of amateur artists to really excellent, talented, professional musicians and it's this beautiful little melting pot where people will, these open mic nights, you know, someone will be like, yeah, I've been playing guitar for two months. And they're like, yeah, cool. You come up here. We'll show you the chords. You know, you play G, D, C, you'll be fine. And we'll kind of do the rest. And, you know, people just get up and make music together. And there's this really beautiful, supportive environment for everyone to do it. Um, and they have these awesome, amazing gigs. We had one just on the weekend pass, ACCC, which is the local radio station, had their first ever uh, festival, which they called One Frequency Festival, and they had artists just from everywhere around Alice Springs come and play. And it was huge, beautiful, free event just at the local um, pub who have this great outdoor space overlooking the ranges, uh, and there was a you know, bands even from out in communities who were who would travel in and, and play for us as well. And that was absolutely awesome. And it was totally free and it was the first time that it had been thrown and it is still that small town energy where if something's on, everyone's going to go. And so you can just rock up to that, you know, even alone and run into so many people that you know and love and that are there to support it. And that is just on all the time in this place. It is so beautiful and vibrant we had it sounds ridiculous but like we had a beanie festival like three days ago which is where people from all over australia they've been sending in their beanies all year to the Alice springs beanie festival there's this crazy concoctions and creations and things and then the whole town shows up to just kind of like go beanie crazy and then even in the last couple of days you see the whole town we're all walking around in these like wobbly little crazy little knitted things and I suppose the music scene I, is something that really interests me and so I know more, you know, about it. There's other sort of beautiful things, a huge gardening scene things here. There's two local kind of community gardens where you can go and help grow your own veggies and they sell them on the weekend and other craft centres and things like that. It's like this town is full of so much life. I, like I'm, my social life is so much busier and fuller and warmer here than it ever was in Sydney and it, it's just crazy. It's a reminder, isn't it, when you leave the city about like when you don't have resources you have to make do and the ingenuity and the creativity is so inspiring when you go back into a space like that and you said as well Alice is very unique in that it's got such close connection to all these communities that are very closely connected to country what have you learned from people that you meet that are coming from these remote communities and have a lot of wisdom and connection to country and the First Nations people that you're you're meeting? What has that experience been like for you? 
Yeah, look, it's been really eye-opening. The first thing is really that this is Aboriginal land and I'm living amongst Aboriginal people and it is their town. Um, And the nice thing is that you do feel that on a real day-to-day level, it's not this kind of, you know, one-off unique, oh, let's think and talk about Aboriginal people and Aboriginal issues and things like that. It is a day-to-day in that I share my space and town and time with them. And there's a lot of the centres in town that are, you know, so many Aboriginal art centres and things like that. A lot of really talented Aboriginal musicians who will play either kind of at these just low-key open mic nights or that will come and join in for these festivals and things like that. And I think so a lot of it is just that it's it's nice that it's a new normal, you know, a lot of the just being able to kind of see and interact and especially in my job serve and take care of Aboriginal people in a just much more personal way. And it took, it t- it's going to take a lot of time, um, I think, in reality to build that trust from a, a healthcare point of view. And you, you get better at it over time. You, families come in and you kind of get out the map and try and figure out, you know, where they've come in from in Central Australia. If you're lucky, if they've got the time, they'll have a chat to you a little bit about what their town is like and things like that. But I suppose it kind of bleeds into the next point is that uh, a lot of Aboriginal culture is still really private. You know, it is theirs and not mine. Um, and essentially I am a white tourist in this town and so I'm not privy to a lot of that, um, even a lot of, you know, cultural practices and things. And so you have to be respectful and but largely acknowledge that that is theirs and it's not mine and it's not for, you know, white culture commodity either. The reality is, is that you see the effects of colonisation absolutely firsthand and I'm looking after a population who has been through, you know, multi-generational trauma and now because of the white culture on top of theirs are, you know, facing so many harmful effects of that. And that's hard. You see a lot of people living under that poverty line and finding a way to help them any way that you can, it, a lot of the time it just feels like a like a Band-Aid. I can treat a child's infection but I can't provide them with cleaner government housing that they deserve so that that infection is less likely to come back. That is a, it's a huge adjustment and it's a stark reality and it just, I guess the thing is, is that it's happening whether you're here or not and I think opening yourself up to that and seeing that as a reality and something that really, really needs to be changed is big and it's it's tough, but I think that it's it's obviously worthwhile. And especially when it is so intimate and so you've got that sense of personal connection as well, that impact um, would obviously uh, have a lot of effect on you and do you find that the spirit of the people that you're working with really contribute to passion for your job? You know, that's um, that's one of the privileges of medicine in a huge way that they don't, well, maybe they tell you, maybe I just didn't really understand, is that it's a job of service, like 99.9% of the time, and you are 
allowed into people's lives in a really intimate way, really rapidly often, you know, that sense of trust there and things like that. I do have to say that I think it's a, a pretty big credit to the Alice Springs Pediatrics Department because I think that they have done an excellent job at trying to forge the connection with the Aboriginal community to make it feel like a safe space to present Um, and that's still hard and it's still something that the hospital probably will always kind of tackle with as well. You know, it's still largely a predominantly white institution that is trying to give culturally safe healthcare as best it can, but it's hard, you know, especially with so many blow-ins, you know, Mm -hmm. who come for short stints and don't really understand um, Aboriginal life and culture here, although, you know, and that's me right now. You get families who are patient with me and they will correct me when I mispronounce their town name a million times and when I don't quite, you know, get the family tree and system and things like that, they're like, yeah, okay, white lady, this is, you're all right, you're doing all right. They're kind of like the moments that I think you need to cherish and to learn. But then you get a lot of people still and a lot of families who we still need to build that sense of trust and and relationship with. And I think the only hope is that that'll take a lot of time. The hospital makes effort where it can. There's a huge kind of department, a workforce of Aboriginal uh, liaison officers who can help us try to sort of um, bridge that gap uh, culturally when we kind of deliver safe healthcare. Um, the acts not only just as language interpreters, I suppose, but just as that um, mediary and they're wonderful and utilised wherever possible. But, again, we'd love ten times more of them as well. <laughs> and a lot of that, it does just kind of come back. You're like There is so much amazing, awesome work to be done here that we need, we need the people to do it. We need trained, qualified people to come in and to do it. Yeah, it's definitely a topic that's um, discussed widely, but I feel like when you've got someone like yourself who's living, breathing sort of advertisement for the opportunity, um, you know, outside of the cities, it's really helpful. That's why I think these stories Mm. are great to share. And trust and relationship like you've discussed, I, I feel like you kind of you develop so much more of that when you're in a regional community, like living in Sydney. I remember just living in an apartment and sort of really having no direct relationship with people that were sort of sharing a wall Um, with me or, you know, people that live two doors down or whatever, which isn't the case at all when you're living in these regional communities. But you do have to respect that um, reciprocity and the trust, especially when you're going into a new environment, like as warm and inviting as everyone is, you also sort of take that approach of, um, like you've discussed, humility and listening and learning and education. And when it comes to exploring the natural environment of Alice Springs, which is so glorious and abundant, as you've said, have you found some really unique gems within Alice Springs that have been really exciting yeah, to discover? Yeah, I think that's Alice Springs is so beautiful. I remember when I even just first got here, I couldn't believe it. Every time I drive to work, I get to look out over these ranges and every evening the sunset is just like absolutely magic. I try so many times just I don't get too used to it, like appreciate it. This is so beautiful and it's actually sad that it takes like four and a half minutes to get to work because 
Like it is a beautiful drive and it's beautiful scenery. And, you know, a lot of people, they think about the Red Centre and they want to go see Kings Canyon and Uluru and they are phenomenal. But they're not, you. I guess they're still really far from Alice Springs, like three or four hours away and they're kind of like what you see on all the posters and, and things. And I think there's so much more beauty in those really um, beautiful small spots and there's there's one that's like really close to town Sydney Perenia National Park the English name for it is Emily Gap and the Aranda name for it is you have to roll your R's so it's really hard but it's Antranca and it's this beautiful little pool of water surrounded by these ranges and there's protected Aboriginal artwork on the other side of this gorgeous lake and there is such an amount of peace and serenity to that place it feels otherworldly and it's about 15 minutes out of Alice Springs and you can just find yourself you step onto it and it it does it grounds you it's this really beautiful quiet space I just think there's there's nothing that I've really ever come across like that and in here it's in abundance you know all throughout the the west max on the larapinta trail as well going to those kind of places and feeling really connected and and grounded to the earth here it makes me wonder if i'm ever really going to be able to go back to the cardboard box in the middle of the sky in sydney i just think in a place out here i can finally breathe and I might just suffocate if I go back there. <laughs> That's such a beautiful <laughs> sorry, I'm just lost in that thought because I think especially at the moment there's um so much pressure on people, you know, in, in city environments, uh, with work and living costs and there's so many walls as well, like physically, the way that you talked about that and I think that concept of space and sunsets and things that you've got access to, it does help you just to have a big breath of fresh air and kind of be able to breathe, which I would assume in a role like yours, you would be quite busy, especially being the celebrity <laughs> doctor in the town. Um, <laughs> tell me, do you have time for a social life and dating as well? Is that, do you have time to do things like that? Yeah, look, it's, you know, you're right. It's the life of a a junior training doctor is like our schedule is madness. I think if somebody had told me that I would be doing night shifts at 33, maybe I would have second-guessed my career choices. But in all honesty, the the medical roster, at least, that the work out here isn't all that different to like the hours and things to what I would do in Sydney. And so I've become very good at sleeping at the drop of a hat and waking up whenever I need to as well and kind of cramming in life around my job. So, yeah, I feel like probably more here than ever before in Sydney I've got time for social life and social commitments and friends and things like that. One, because the drive is so small. And then two, because it is just that that open, warm, beautiful town, you actually don't want to massive FOMO all the time of all the things that you kind of like want to get to. A lot of it is packing up right after work and racing out to Spencer Hill, which is like, you know, one and a half kilometres from my front door and 15-minute hike up so that we can eat cheese and drink a bit of wine and watch the sunset go down. 
Um, and then there's great little places like the Sunset Hill over in Desert Springs where you can, you know, have a little fire there as well. Um, so stay later after the, after dark. And, you know, I'm surrounded by people who just, they're in Alice Springs because they want to do the same kind of things as me. Really attracts this kind of like beautiful, warm, adventurous kind of person. And so you do it all together and you have a hikes on the weekend or you go to what we always like joke is a local beach, which is like two hours away. It's called Ormist and Gorge. It's just this like absolutely beautiful feminine body of water and sand on the side. But, yeah, over summer when it gets insanely hot, it's just like filled with people. Uh, And you pack up and do last-minute camping. Just be like, you know, something that would take like weeks, months to organise in in Sydney, trying to like wrangle my friends together to do that, we'd just be like, yeah, cool, it's Friday afternoon. Oh, we haven't got anything to do. Let's just drive an hour out of town and camp there for the night. And that is just, oh, I mean, it's my kind of thing. It's my kind of jam. So I guess that's why I'm here. But it, yeah, it's just so much fun that, you know, look, dating life is, oh, it's small town energy. You know, I will give you that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I met my girlfriend here um, and we've been dating a couple of months now and I think it's like the first person that I've dated in God knows how long that I didn't meet online, like not through an app, which is just so cool, <laughs> just refreshing, I guess. And there is, it's like, there's a weird little thing about Alice Springs is that there is like a, a massive female non-binary queer community here the uh legend has it is that it's it's they came out to protest you know these kind of lefty people there um and they just love the town so much that they stayed (laughs) there is like a really vibrant beautiful community like-minded people here and you just kind of walk in and you're like yeah i've met my fam and that's really cool and really nice as well and i think like that's it about the dating pool is that you yeah, it's tiny, but the ratio of people that you are going to connect with because they're like you and they've moved to a place like Alice Springs and they like the same things that you like, I think is way higher. And there's quite a few of my friends that I've made down here who have, yeah, partners who they've met in Alice Springs. Yeah, still possible. (laughs) That's so compelling because you know, like you say, being attracted to a place like Alice Springs and the way that you talk about it and the fact that you can find love outside of the city, which is um, often not, you know, not something that people think is possible. I think you're going to find now that you your coffee shop's going to be overflowing and it's going to be hard to find <laughs> a seat because the way that you've spoken about Alice Springs is just so um, inviting. I got goosebumps a few times when you were describing that because it's genuinely authentic in terms of, you know, how much you enjoy your life there and the things that you've gained and, you know, well beyond just sort of those, you know, normal things that people discuss when they're, they're looking at moving. So thank you so much for being so um, open with everything that you've shared. We like to do to get you to do a bit of a pitch to the audience about why they should move to regional Australia from the city. So in your best kind of 
doctor to patient instruction, can you please tell us why <laughs> why we should have a good dose of regen living? <laughs> Look, I think if you want to get back to feeling connected to your environment, to yourself and allowing yourself to have that little bit tiny bit extra space and clean air to breathe a lot of that is why a lot of those things is what attracted me into regional Australia you really do kind of find what you're looking for you really you find that beauty you find that space and the fears around it being too quiet or being too lonely or maybe there being nothing to do I think is just a lot of it is unfounded you your people ask me, I can't, or they tell me they can't believe that you moved, like to the middle of nowhere. To me now, living here, it's a, it just feels like the centre of everything because when you're there, it's not nowhere <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful and there is amazing community and a vibrancy out here that I just so much better than I could have ever expected. It's really brought a sense of, happiness and peace to my life that you know even all my friends and family and things have noticed it's been life-changing yeah should do it like I said I think you're gonna find it hard to get tickets to gigs and stuff now because you're gonna have everyone (laughs) descending on the community I'm kidding (laughs) it was just such a pleasure to talk to you Bonnie and um, the way that you talk about the place that you live in really validates the idea that taking that leap of faith and embracing the fear and being courageous in um, trying something different and something new is really worthwhile when you can gain the kind of enjoyment and experiences that you're having. Thank you so much for your time and for having a chat and being so open with your stories that you've shared. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Beth. It's been good fun. You Moved Where is made on the land of the Binjara people, with Bonnie Carroll joining us from the land of the Aranda people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to Elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Rufray and hosted by me, Beck Bignall. The You Moved Where podcast is brought to you by Move to More and the Regional Australia Institute. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. A big transition. It was a huge move. We had never heard of Albany before. We were probably calling it Albany um, and had to pull up a map and find out where it was. No family, no friends. Um, from sunny Queensland into the depths of winter Albany 2021, raining cold, no friends. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government. And if you head to the website, movetomore.com.au, you can find a wealth of information that will help you make the move. At movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination. And in the same place, find your dream home and job.